What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt out today. He's going to be out the rest of the weekend, though we will get him for an appearance on Saturday morning. But Schmitty on the road to Denver, Colorado, as uh, he is going to be out watching his son play some baseball in a big tournament out in the beautiful city of Denver this weekend. So it's uh, me, Elijah Herbal, taking you through the shows today and tomorrow. Joined today by the man, the myth, the legend. It's Willie J. Will Wilson with us here on a Thursday. I know Will's tried to, to retire that moniker of Willie J, but it just it just sticks around with you, bud. I know. And, you know, I've came to the conclusion that uh, for as long as I live, that will never die. I, I, not, that, not that I hate it, you know, it's just trying to be more professional around here, you know? Well, I feel like there's, you got your two alter egos, you got your sports side and then you got your country music side. Yeah, know? there you go, that's it. <laughs> and I'm not, yeah, you, you nailed it, man. You hear Will Wilson on ESPN Lincoln, you hear Willie J on Kix 96.9. That's right. That's the difference. And you hear Elijah Herbal right here. How's it going, man? Oh, can't complain. It's uh, it's a nice day here in the the capital city. If uh, if you're not listening from here in Lincoln, from uh, from across the state, I will report to you. Beautiful day here in Lincoln. Uh, so you and I rocked the uh, the morning hookup this morning. We did. And uh, I went home, mowed my lawn, made myself wow. some lunch, and now I'm uh, back here ready for the afternoon as uh, we have a fun show planned today. We'll be chatting with Brandon Vogel here in about 15 minutes as uh, Brandon joining us for his usual 425 segment on Thursdays. Love chatting with Brandon. We'll have him again here today. Uh, we'll talk some NBA as Game 6 of the Finals is tonight. Some NHL as Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals was last night. Uh, that's all coming up here in Hour 1. A little bit later in Hour 2, we'll have eight-time College World Series umpire and Lincoln native Jeff Henricks joining us. So uh, he'll be leading off Hour 2 with us. And then to cap it all off, at the end of Hour 2, we will have Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke joining us, letting you know all the betting action for Game 6 of the NBA Finals tonight and for uh, what's remaining in the Stanley Cup Finals. Might even get Danny's uh, College World Series bandwagon team as uh, well, maybe we'll check in with him. I'm not sure if Danny bets college baseball or not. I've never seen him tweet about it. Maybe we'll get uh, caught up with Danny about that one. So that's what we got coming up today. Get connected with the show here. As you can give us a call, 402-466-3776. That's 402-466-ESPN or uh, 800-825-5865. That one's for our listeners listening across the state. Uh, Carney. Hastings, Grand Island, Columbus, we hear you loud and clear. We would uh, love to hear from you today. 800-825-5865 is uh, your number to give us a call there. Or you can uh, tweet at us. It's at Herbal Essences for me, Elijah Herbal, or at Willie on the radio for my man, Will Wilson. As uh, we got plenty to get into today, the College World Series talks or starts tomorrow. We'll uh, discuss that here briefly in the show as well. But before we get to all of that, Will, where I want to start us off, 
is a, a place that if you've listened to any of these Hale Varsity shows with me, you know uh, it's a place that's near and dear to my heart, and it's going to be familiar to you. We're going to go to the offensive line. Uh, I don't think there's a more crucial position group on the Husker team as a whole this season. Mm-hmm. I've said it before. I'll say it again. That'll be my message until I see any sort of improvement this fall, if there is improvement. Uh, so that that's really my main sticking point with this football team this fall, and uh, we've learned some things uh, about how Nebraska is shuffling the offensive line under Coach Riola. Obviously, with injuries during the spring, uh, guys were playing some positions they weren't necessarily familiar with, and guys playing some positions that were uh, unsure if they're going to be playing there in the fall or not. One of those guys uh, that we actually didn't get to see was Turner Corcoran, a guy who finished his year last year at right tackle, and... Uh, Donovan Riola seems to be coming a little bit closer and closer to determining where Corcoran's going to play. It does sound like Corcoran's a guy that will be a starter one way or another next season. Really the three that you can bank on. Prohaska, assuming that the uh, the recovery from the injury goes as expected, and he's a full participant for fall camp. Turner Corcoran's another guy uh, that while hasn't uh, set the world alight from his performances along the offensive line, he he is a dependable guy for you, and uh, you're only expecting him to continue making improvements, especially with uh, a new position coach in Donovan Riola. And the third guy, it sounds like Trent Hickson at center is is working his way towards locking up that starting spot. Uh, But the interesting news is Turner Corcoran, uh, so far, so far, excuse me, through summer workouts, seems to be working more at right guard than at right tackle. So it almost felt like you knew who your tackles were going to be heading to the fall with Corcoran with so much experience, both at left tackle and right tackle. You had Prohaska, who came and looked so good at left tackle, and then uh, Hickson apparently impressed this spring at center. But Corcoran now maybe making the move to right guard, which would open up uh, a competition between what would likely be Hunter Anthony and uh, Bryce Binhart at right tackle, and then it will also open up some competition at left guard, probably between uh, Nuruddin Nueli mm-hmm. and, uh, excuse me, uh, Omaha North product, we t- Kevin Williams. Don't know why it took me so long to get to right. that name, but that seems to be the competition at left guard, and uh, we'll see if that, that move from Corcoran to right guard is, uh, is a long-term move. Uh, or if that's just something that they're trying out. But it does sound like the the early return on investment from Corcoran playing right guard has been good. And I, I think that's good news for the Husker offensive line as a whole if they're starting to get some of these positions fleshed out this early in the year. Yeah, and I think uh, I remember last season when, you know, the O-line wasn't doing hot. And I think I, I remember reading something how, you know, our O-line coach at the time was trying to, you know, move things around, try and find different strengths in these guys. And, well, I don't know if we ever found those or if we just – thought we did and then they were the wrong strengths but I think from what you're saying right there and all these moves we're seeing that's what I think Royal is doing he is just trying to find what these guys can do best and, and maybe it's something that it's different than they came here for and I don't know I feel like Royola he's you know he's, he's been different spots in the NFL and he sees pretty good talent up there so maybe he sees some talent in these guys that are you know our former O-line coach uh, didn't see so that's kind of what I'm thinking here and I like it man I, I like him I like what we're hearing uh, more here on the offensive line. Uh, a story out from Steve Sipple on three sports as uh, we've loved reading Sipple's stuff for years now and had to make the transition reading him over on on three. But got to love Sip. And uh, he put out a story just a few days ago on the offensive line and, and what Coach Rail has already been doing in the room. We heard from uh, Brock Bando, uh, a guy I know pretty well. And we also heard uh, as well from Trent Hickson, uh, both talking with Steve Sipple about uh, what Coach Rilo's coaching style is, and uh, one quote which really stood out to me 
from Ryle is, is from Brock Bando. He said, Coach Ryle is big on saying, don't pay attention to the doubters. And uh, when uh, Coach Ryle is doing his coaching, it's not always PG rated. Uh, he's right, though. Brock went on to say, we shouldn't always be reading stuff on Twitter. We shouldn't be listening to people on the streets. People in the O-line room, those are the people we care about and want to listen to because they know the techniques and they can help us see what we can't always see. And this is something that really reminds me of of what you hear from those sports uh, of guys who really need a lot of confidence. I think guys who are going through a slump in baseball. I think of uh, boxers, MMA fighters, where you hear so much from them. It's tuning out the noise because uh, the, the doubters, the haters, if you will, uh, they, they don't know the full story, and the guys who are he- will heaping praise onto you, they don't know the full story as well. you got to keep a, a level mind and, and trust the people that are in your corner, just to use a, a boxing analogy. And it, it sounds like that's something Ryle is trying to be instill in the guys uh, here through spring and summer ball, just essentially um, the doubters are going to be there, and uh, it's about going out and proving the doubters wrong, not about listening to the doubters, uh, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it affects everybody different. Like, some guys feed off that. that some of that motivates some guys. Some guys, it, it, you know, it shuts them down, and they just they can't handle it. So, I mean, you might as well just kind of block it out. But it's so hard these days. You know, everybody's on Twitter. Uh, I mean, if you're an athlete, you are because you can make money doing it, right? Uh, so it's kind of hard to stay away from all that uh, these days, man. Think back, like, before we were even born, you know, 20 years ago, how easy it was. Like, all you had to do was either not listen to the radio, not watch TV, or not read the paper. It was those three things. Or just, you know, not talk to the general public. Uh, so it's different these days. But, no, I like that. He should be saying that. I'm sure, I'm sure you know, coaches say that all the time. It's a given, you know. You just, you just don't do it. And I wonder if this marks a, a change from what you heard with Greg Austin. Because I, I feel like... There's a coaching style out there of a, the world is against us, kind of. You use the doubters as your motivation, but it doesn't necessarily sound like that's what Ryle is bringing. We have a quote here from Ben Hart. Uh, he says that Ryle tells him no one knows what's going on in practice. Everyone has their own opinion outside, but why listen to that whenever we have our own opinion here on the inside? And that's uh, it's good to hear now, but if you come to to fall on the offensive line, it is still the the biggest weak spot on the team. You'll read a quote like that and go, well, maybe the opinion on the outside is right and the opinion on the, the inside is wrong. Yeah, I mean, that could be, but it, uh, it all matters on one opinion, though, and you're right, that's, that's inside the room. Uh, but, I, you know, I like hearing what Royal is doing. We're hearing things every, kind of, every single day of kind of his coaching style and what he's telling the guys. I mean, that's, that's good because it's, you know, he's a new coach. It's not like we know much about him, so it's cool to, it's cool to hear that. Yeah, one more nugget here from this story, and Steve Sippel uh, is that, Ryle has marked a change to the offensive line room, not only on the field, but off the field mm-hmm. as well, as uh, he always makes the offensive linemen travel together in a group. That's from meeting rooms to the weight room, weight rooms to meeting rooms, from the locker room to practice, what have you. He makes them uh, work as a group, uh, travel as a group, and even wear the same workout gear. And uh, They say that's already been paying dividends. Um, within the program with these offensive linemen getting to know each other better, getting to trust each other better. And it's uh, it's followed suit with the, the running back room and other position groups as well. As these guys have started traveling together as well and wearing the same workout attire whenever they are all working out. So mm-hmm. it's a little thing, but it's it's one of those things that I remember from my experience as an offensive lineman, it's a, a lower level, but uh, in high school, it's all about trusting the guy next to you and the guy next to you, next to you trusting you. It seems that, that, that's just a key on the offensive line. If you can't trust that the guy next to you is going to pick up the right guy, block the right guy, you're never going to have success as an offensive line. Well, yeah, and unlike you know the running back group or the wide receiver groups, I mean, yeah, there's I guess there's trust in each other, but it's not like what you're talking about. It seems like it's most important when it comes to the O line is forming that brotherhood and you know really feeding off each other. Um, so that seems important. 
if if you would agree with that, I mean, yeah, that's what you just said. So I guess you will agree with that. Um, you know, I never. It's so hard for me to kind of relate to this stuff. You know, I never played on the O line. I don't know what it's like, but hearing you talk about it, it makes sense. Yeah. So uh, offensive line going to be another uh, big question mark through the next few months as we enter this season. But Coach Royal hoping to make a turnaround, and there, there's ample experience in that room eight guys in that room started at least one game last year along the offensive line and uh, you do lose your best offensive lineman in, in cam jurgens but the offseason's about making strides making development and uh for me I, i'll wait to see how this offensive line looks come northwestern week but uh for now there is uh what would i call it uh reasonable optimism from my point of view on, on what this offensive line can do and can improve upon this uh, this year just to make uh, the, the, the play of the group as a whole average. Okay. I, I mean, when you're looking at it, this doesn't need to be a, a, an offensive line with five all-conference guys. It just needs to be an offensive line that isn't the worst in the Big Ten or one of the worst in the Big Ten. They just need to get to a, a respectable point, and I think that'll be good enough for this team this year and what this team needs to do this year. So, And, and of course, staying healthy is a given, uh, but you know we could definitely turn to that these past few seasons because you know, we've had dealt with injuries on the line. Before we get to Brandon Vogel coming your way, in about seven minutes here, uh, a news drop today as the Big Ten announces Nebraska basketball's 2022 and 2023 season matchups as uh, really some some good draws and some bad draws. That's how it's going to go in the Big Ten. But what I think has been a, a real positive from the schedule release is the, the teams that Nebraska is slated to play only once. That is Northwestern, Ohio State, Wisconsin, uh, those three games being at home, so Northwestern, Ohio State, and Wisconsin will all only play Nebraska once this year, and all of those will be at Pinnacle Bank Arena, while they'll go on the road to face off with Indiana, Michigan, and Rutgers, and all those teams, uh, aside from Northwestern, uh, for the most part, having recent success here in the Big Ten, and I think uh, with a Nebraska basketball season that is do or die for Coach Hoiberg, it's good that some of these juggernauts of the Big Ten are only going to be uh, teams that you're going to be facing once next season. Yeah, I mean, you could say that's a good draw, but of course I still look at uh, you know the Big Ten and what it is, and nothing's a good draw for Nebraska basketball. Well, I mean, compare that to the, to the teams that Nebraska is going to face twice this season. That's the rest of the Big Ten, but Iowa, who... Uh, I think everyone's expecting to play twice this year, and Iowa was very good last season, but they lose some key talent in, in key spots. So we'll see what Iowa looks like next year. Maryland, Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State, and Purdue are the teams Nebraska is facing twice next season. So you look at Purdue. Purdue is a, a little bit scary there, but they do lose Jaden Ivey as well as Caleb Williams. Yeah, right. So so losing some key talent. I do think they have that giant dude in the they, middle back. Yep, he's coming back. That's freaking seven foot three dude or whatever yep the canadian yeah uh but uh penn state another team that hasn't necessarily been uh the the, the perennial program of the big 10 not by any means uh that's a good team to have on there minnesota uh, has been good in recent years but last year was the exception to that and, and maryland isn't anything special either so i think nebraska should look at this and, and how their schedule sets up and see optimism for well, for next season i mean yeah you could say all that but again uh the Big Ten is the Big Ten, right? Uh, every There's trap games everywhere. They just come at you like crazy. And uh, there's no easy road win in the Big Ten, especially for how we've looked these past few seasons. Yeah, uh, but I, I think it sets up to a point where Nebraska does get NCAA tournament teams at home. Uh, you, you like that. When, when you yeah. look at, I mean, Ohio State is a team you're going to be facing once, and you're going to play them at home. Uh, 
You're also looking at Wisconsin, another team, that NCAA tournament qualifier. You're going to play them once, and you're going to play them at home. I mean, that sets that's up true. well. I, I get you. That's that's a good thing. I mean, the teams you face on the road, Rutgers is a team that made the NCAA tournament last year, but uh, they've lost their two most productive starters in Baker and what was the other guy's name? Um, Geo Baker and Ron Harper. Harper, yeah, but I think they brought back uh, a few other guys. That That guard they have, he's like one of the best defenders in the country. I can't think of his name right now, uh, but yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, um, you know, it's cool to see this. Um, hopefully PBA Magic helps us because, you know, like you said, we got those teams at home. But, yeah, no draw. No no good draw in the Big Ten, if you ask me. And it's a, it is early to be looking ahead to the uh, to the schedule, but it's what Nebraska is going to be facing this winter as uh, Fred Hoiberg looks to turn things around. We'll get Tony Farmer, Husker basketball legend's thoughts on, on the Fred Hoiberg program coming up a little bit later. I know, Will, you talked to him this morning and you had some good stuff, so we'll get to that a little bit later. But coming up next, Brandon Vogel joins the show. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. A team you never get to see is making their way to Werner Park June 7th through the 12th, and that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It's the first meeting between the two franchises, and there's plenty going on that week. June 9th is the Chasers Community Celebration for Pride Night, presented by PayPal. June 10th is What If Night, where the Storm Chasers will change their name to the Hogs. A little backstory, that was a previous Omaha team and was a potential name change when the franchise was looking to rebrand. It's a battle of pigs versus hogs. You can't have a name change without new jerseys too. Specialty jerseys will be worn that night. And of course, they'll be autographed and auctioned off. Snag your favorite player June 10th and then run it back on the 11th. It's Salute to Corn Night presented by the Nebraska Corn Board. It's a celebration of all things corn. Corn on the jerseys, corn in the stands. Trust me, this game will be amazing. See you there. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. A Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through the show today as that College World Series starting tomorrow. My abs taking down the lightning in game one, game six of the NBA final. So even though there's no Husker sports going down for a few months, still got plenty to talk about here on Hale Varsity Radio, and we're excited to welcome in the managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine, author of Dream Like a Champion. Find him on Twitter, at Brandon L. Vogel. Is Brandon Vogel joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio? And, and Brandon, before we go any further, I need to talk some College World Series. We'll get to Husker news here in just a second, but when you look at that eight-team field, let's see if I can get all eight off the top of my head. You got Stanford, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Auburn. Those are your eight. When you look at that field, uh, are any standing out to you in terms of a, a team you're thinking about hopping on the bandwagon? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ole Miss, it's kind of tough for me to deny the, the run they had to go on to, to get here. And, I mean, you know, playing in the SEC is, is obviously, I mean, it's it's kind of – the center of the earth in terms of the college baseball world. And so going 37 and 22 for, for a program like that, it might just be like, well, you know, maybe they had to figure some things out uh, and, and did to even get here. And, and I, I really like that momentum from them. Um, 
Notre Dame, uh, based on where I live, uh, certainly broke a lot of hearts of, of my neighbors in, in knocking out the top overall seed, Tennessee. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. So that gives me two teams in both both sides of the bracket, I guess, to root for. Root for. So so go Irish and go Rebels. See, you don't have to sell me on Ole Miss one bit. Ole Miss is, has been my bandwagon team. I was rooting for them through the Super Regional because it's not often you see a team that is, uh, I believe they were eight games below 500 at, at the end of May. They finished their season below 500 in conference play, 14 and 16, uh, but they finished their year uh, on a pretty good little winning streak. So uh, that was enough for Ole Miss to make it into the College World Series field and and the Rebs got hot at the right time. I think that's one of the special things about college baseball is uh, anything can happen. It's, I mean, they say any given Sunday about the NFL, but college baseball is especially true. Any given nine innings, uh, a team can make a run, a team can get hot, and Ole Miss did that. I think they might be a popular pick among uh, the, the fans, local fans, I should say, from Omaha this year, uh, taking the Rebs just because of the uh, against-all-odds nature in which they made the tournament. I mean, this was shaping up to be one of the worst years of the past decade for Ole Miss baseball. He's only saying that because he's been there. I have also been to Oxford, Mississippi, and uh, it's uh, it's it's a singular place. It's it's a pretty pretty cool place uh, from a college football perspective. You know, Ole Miss has had some good years, but it's you know when game day went to Ole Miss, it was it was a story, right? Because it's it's not the place that you just kind of find yourself naturally at. Where like Ohio State, you'd be like, well, yeah, we'll be at Ohio State once a year, um, kind of no matter what happens. So, I, I like um, I, I like the momentum play as I mentioned. I'm also very intrigued in if we can get uh, Lane Kiffin, Nebraskan by birth. He was only he was only there for about a year, I think. Uh, get him to Omaha because based on his his Twitter, uh, I, I'm only excited to see what kind of hijinks could ensue from that. That, that. That'd be incredible. And Mississippi State took it home last season, kind of against all odds uh, in the same way. But uh, Ole Miss looking to do the same this year. Brandon, let's shift gears. Let's talk some Husker football. As uh, we, We've heard some news along the offensive line. I guess it's, it's, it's really glorified rumors coming out of summer workouts. Uh, and that is that it's a move that isn't necessarily unexpected, but it sounds like Turner Corcoran returning from the injury in the spring has moved down inside and has taken uh, more work and seems to be preparing for the season as right guard. And uh, it kind of leaves the question open of, of who's going to be the tackles this season. Uh, you'd expect Prohoshka, depending on health, is going to be the left tackle. And then uh, you look at possibly Bryce Binhart at right tackle. But uh, we seem to be getting a little bit closer to, to knowing who the five are going to be along the Husker offensive line. What do you make of the move uh, of Corcoran from right tackle to right guard, if that does happen to be the case? Yeah, I could – I mean – I, I could see it. It's about finding the the best five, and I think the key to that then is is Prohaska at left tackle, which you know the limited amount that we got to see was was encouraging, and I think he has a really high ceiling, maybe as high a ceiling as anybody on the offensive line at the moment for me. That said, like, you know, looking back over that, he, he played against Oklahoma as kind of a third tight end, you know, a little bit of a uh, a unique role in that game. Got the start against Northwestern, played pretty well. Northwestern wasn't very good last year. And then got hurt fairly early in that Michigan game. I mean, it's just such a small sample size 
with him and you know the coaches are seeing what he's doing in workouts uh wasn't able to practice in the spring but feel like you know they have a more trained eye for this so if, if they feel good about going with a player with that amount of experience at left tackle then you kind of got to kind of got to trust what they go with there um and if that's the case i mean i think corker is is too talented not to find a spot on that o-line and we've heard talk from really those first couple of spring press conferences about the potential for him to move inside. He's a big guy. He's bigger than you'd find a lot of, uh, a lot of typical guards, I think, but you recruited guys like him and Ben Hart for a reason. Uh, Those were both highly touted linemen. They probably need to be part of your picture, and if that takes moving it, moving him to guard, I think that's that's probably a good thing overall for Nebraska. Brendan, as you look at it now, and uh, we're talking with Brandon Vogel here on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, how many guys do you think you can pencil in uh, as starters next year along the offense line, or I guess even in the same vein, how many guys do you think you can you can put down in Sharpie as as being starters for the offensive line? Usually when a new offensive line coach comes in or any position coach comes in, all the spots are up for grabs, but uh, it doesn't necessarily feel that way along the offensive line this year. I mean, there's a few spots up for grabs, but I think we know a a few of the guys who are going to be getting some significant playing time. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting spot for for Nebraska, and I think you're right. You know, when you get a new position coach, kind of you erase the whiteboard and and, kind of, are, are willing to, to totally redo the whole thing. But if, if we're hearing talk about Corcoran moving inside, I think that tells you what the plan is at, at left tackle in, in terms of Kraska. Um I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a Kevin Williams really push at that, at that left guard spot. It seems like Hickson for now might be, might be your leader at center. Uh, and then you go Corcoran and Ben Hart on, on the right side. But honestly, like, I, I don't know if I feel great at this point, uh, really definitely going Sharpie, maybe not even pencil, with anyone outside of those tackles. I mean, I think it's most likely that your, your starting tackles in Ireland are, are Prohaska and Ben Hart. But um, beyond that, there's, I think there's a lot of sorting still to be doing. To, to be done in the middle of that offensive line. So I think there's there's quite a bit that will still be sorted out through these summer workouts and then really in fall camp. We're talking to Brandon Vogel. Brandon, I was thinking about the defense and, and talking about the defense now. Uh, enough of your O-line talk, Elijah. Uh, <laughs> over on the defense, you know, I'm thinking about Shenander, and you know, if he's been here four years, and I think that's a lot of time for him to – you know, learn about the Big Ten, other teams, other coaches, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, their tendencies. And when I think about that, I just I can't help but kind of get comfortable and excited about the defense. I mean, do you kind of agree with me on that, that, you know, over this time, Chenander has had to learn a lot about the Big Ten? I, I do agree with you on that. So based on what Nebraska has to replace on defense, like I think it's reasonable – to expect them to take a slight step back and, and how big that step is might go a long way to determining, you know, what happens in this 2022 season. But Schneider and, and his coaches on that side of the ball, in my opinion, have, have done enough through four years um, to earn the benefit of the doubt, to, to think that, okay, well, you don't have a JoJo Doman and you don't have two starting safeties and you lost a heck of a player in Kanjay LeBritt. 
and you're going to be working in some new guys on the defense front. But they've, they've progressed little by little each of the four years that, that they've had so far. And, and I do look at that side of the ball, and I think, okay, if we're just like – you know, measuring up offense versus defense, which one has adjusted to the Big Ten the best? It's unquestionably the defense in my mind. So that gives me a little bit of, um, I guess, more upside for, for Nebraska defensively than what their returning production might indicate on its own. Brandon Vogel is talking with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, an interesting tidbit I saw just a few days ago, Mario Buford, he's the younger brother of Marquise Buford, and uh, he was in Lincoln over the weekend checking out Nebraska. Sounds like uh, Nebraska is going to be towards the top of his list. And one of the things that, that piqued my interest slightly was the fact that he said uh, it, it was cool to go to Nebraska, see my brother's jersey number, uh, and to see him uh, working in a spot as the new strong safety. And obviously with, with that spot being up for grabs, that could be a, a brother saying, man, it's awesome to see a guy uh, in my brother working his way towards some playing time at Nebraska. But do you think that that could be an indication of where Nebraska wants to go at strong safety? There was a really high praise of Buford through the spring. Yeah, I think it is. He was, he would be my leader for that spot coming out of the spring. Um, you know, it, in, in a lot of ways, it's not that it's different position, but not that dissimilar from from kind of Cam Taylor Britt's progression, which doesn't mean, of course, that it's going to go exactly the same way. But a guy who was, um, you know, primarily a, a special teams contributor as a, as a true freshman, um, and then there was more there. Like I think you could look through and you could go back multiple years for Nebraska. Those guys that really contribute and kind of make the travel rosters based on the work that they're doing on special teams alone, which if you're just, you know, when you flip on the TV on a Saturday, you miss a lot of that, but the coaches don't. And they, they see it every, every day in practice. And then if you're a guy that they can count on where we're going to burn a red shirt for you because you're that valuable on special teams. I think it's a pretty good indicator of, of what's to come. That's Buford. Um, and then based on what we heard about him during the spring, I think that only backed up a lot of, hey, Nebraska might just have a, football, a really good football player here. And given that there's a spot open at that strong safety spot, uh, he might be the top option to fill it. Brandon Vogel's with us here. Find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. And uh, Brandon, we'll get caught back up with you again on Saturday morning. Schmidt will be back, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a good one, all right, bud? You too, guys. Thank you. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC. And after a couple of road matches, will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's it's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Thursday here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson with you here today. I'll be back in tomorrow. Still, uh, we talked about it a little bit yesterday on the show. 
Still unsure. It's still going to be a, a surprise. You'll, you guys will get to 4 o'clock tomorrow, and you'll just be surprised who my co-host is going to be. One of either Connor Clark or Bill Dolman. Uh, we are still working through that behind the scenes, so... Uh, we will just make that a surprise for you tomorrow. We just heard from Brandon Vogel here as uh, Brandon got into the offensive line, some college world series and a whole lot more. That was great. We'll have Brandon's full interview posted up to ESPNLincoln.com here in just a second. Coming up uh, a little bit later next hour, we have eight time college world series umpire Jeff Henricks with us. Uh, he's been all over from professional baseball to college baseball, uh, 30 plus years of experience for Jeff. So we're really excited to talk to him. I know for a fact he has umpired a good number of these college world series teams this year and uh, excited to get his thoughts on the teams, the College World Series as a whole, and just uh, pick his brain a little bit on the world of umpiring. So uh, Jeff Henrik's coming up to lead off Hour 2, and then we'll also have Burke's Best Bets, Danny Burke, joining us a little bit later in Hour 2. That's all coming up. But where I want to take the show for the next few minutes is just across the wide world of sports. We had NHL Stanley Cup Finals Game 1 that left me very happy last night as the Avs get a win. We also have Game 6 of the NBA Finals coming up tonight as we're just going to hit this a little bit rapid fire style. Uh, you and me will but first where we're going to start it off is uh late breaking news from fifa and that is that kansas city has been selected as a host city for the 2026 world cup it's already been announced that this is going to be a world cup uh that is hosted by all of north america so there's going to be games in toronto mexico city uh los angeles san francisco uh, am I forgetting Vancouver? I mean, all over the place, uh, all over North America. It's a unique situation with how the World Cup is going to be. This is the next World Cup after the upcoming World Cup, uh, which will be this fall and winter in Qatar. Wow. Uh, but uh, the North America has the next World Cup and uh, huh. only a three hour drive away. Yeah. So as far as uh, us fans in Lincoln are going to have to go to go catch a World Cup match and yeah. So even for those who aren't soccer fans, I think World Cup is one of those things. That if you get a chance to go check it out, you need to go see it. It's it's on the world stage. I mean, it's it's similar to Olympics. Like, I don't care about uh, the bobsled national championships here in the United States. I'm not going to watch it. But if the U.S. team is in the Olympics for bobsled, I'll go watch it. And you know what? I'll just watch the entire bobsled event, too, while I'm at it. Because it's a world stage the entire world is watching. That is what we're going to have with the World Cup. And uh, you better believe I'm going to head down to Kansas City in 2026 and go catch some games. A once-in-a-lifetime experience uh, in the cards for people here in the Midwest. Yeah, that's very exciting. It's a given. That's a really. I mean, they have a really nice soccer stadium down there, so that's Mm -hmm. a a given. I think it's actually going to be played at Arrowhead, though. Really? That's even better. That would be a lot of fun. So one of the one of the key stipulations that FIFA has is they need to to play their matches on actual turf or actual uh, actual grass. They can't use the artificial field turf. It's and Kansas a, City has real grass. It, it's an injury concern. Arrowhead has real grass, and it also fe- uh, fits their seating capacity that they're looking for for World Cup matches. So. Well, I, I listen. That would be a lot of fun to go to. I'm I'm definitely going to try, but I I just hope tickets aren't just overboard. And, and prices. I, mean, I, I don't think they would because there's going to be other spots, other places in North America where games are going to be played. But I just have a feeling tickets are going to be through the roof. Well, I mean, if if this year is any indication, I didn't look that seriously into going to Qatar for this World Cup because it does fall during the middle of Husker football season. But I looked into it. Matches pretty reasonably priced. Now, uh, the price of accommodations and flights to Qatar not great and it's halfway across the world but the matches themselves soccer matches actually are, are pretty reasonably priced whenever you compare them to american sports hmm. i mean i've seen people in england com- complaining because their their tickets for like lower bowl seats 
at, at their Premier League matches uh, were, gasp, 50 U.S. dollars. Yikes. And they're complaining about that because they're saying, back in my day, it only <laughs> cost you 20 bucks to get in. Seats are the same price everywhere. It's first come, first serve, like all, all this stuff. And, I mean, comparatively to what you're going to pay for a professional sporting event here in the United States, soccer is pretty reasonably priced. So, Well, I hope you're right because that would be a lot of fun to go to. So that is uh, in the cards for 2026. In the cards last night, the Avalanche taking game one of the Stanley Cup Finals as it's an overtime winner from Andre Burakovsky. Exciting stuff. If uh, you're not a hockey fan, I feel bad for you. Here's uh, the Avalanche's Connor McGahee on the call for the game winner as the Avs take game one. His pass is blocked. Another bouncing puck. Gobbled up by JT Comper. Down the middle, Comper holds, shoots. It's blocked. Nachushkin with it. Burakovsky, he scores! So the Avs taking game one. I'm a happy camper here as not only was it an exciting game, my Avs ended up getting the win. And uh, no bias here. I I do think this could end up being one of those Stanley Cups that that goes down uh, in history as one of the better ones. I mean, Tampa Bay, uh, they have their dynasty looking to continue it with their third straight. As for the Avs looking to build their own dynasty. And if last night was any indication, these teams very, very evenly matched. And now with ESPN and ABC getting the rights back, uh, it's going to be open up to a, a wider audience as well, the Stanley Cup this year. So uh, if you aren't a hockey fan, if you aren't invested, check out Game 2 on Saturday because this, this thing has everything that you want. I mean, hockey... Uh, I understand the people who don't like hockey, but the Avs play a, a new style of hockey where hockey is going in the future. That's uh, speed. That is excitement. Uh, that is just boatloads of skill. I mean, the Avs play in a way that I think will be very beneficial to, to fans in 2022. Yeah, I'm still going Tampa in six. I, 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 <laughs> Elijah and I have a wager on the line in this series. I have Tampa, and the winner takes the or the loser takes the winner out to a night at the salt dogs game beer pizza hot dogs so come on tampa for context will isn't even a tampa bay fan he just likes to actually see me sad <laughs> actually i have a connection down in tampa my family lives down there and my cousin goes to school with one of the owners of the lightning oh. so i do have a little connection down there for you but if i do celebrate a team it's uh the wild I'm not even a hockey fan. You're baiting me. Stop. I I, I don't like hockey. Will's becoming a hockey guy here. I, mean, if, I watch, hate it. I just watch you know. the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, playoff hockey is electric. Stanley Cup Final hockey is like takes that to a new. I level. get that. And, no, and I understand that. Yeah, it and, does. Uh, and it's it's just shaping up like it's going to be just an incredible Stanley Cup final. So that's great. We also have Game 6 coming up between the Celtics and the Warriors tonight. Uh, tip-off is going to be at 8 o'clock. The Celtics playing at home looking to extend the series as they are four-point favorites. Uh, well, we might have to get a little wager on this one coming up a little bit later in the show here and, and see okay. what you think. Does, if, uh, if the Warriors end it tonight, if Game 6 Clay comes out to play huh. uh, that rhymes and I love that and in uh, game six clay has been legendary in, in his entire career uh, this hasn't been a, a series to remember from clay by any means but uh, anything can happen and and one game can can swing a, a complete narrative over how well someone played in a series and if there's any time that clay usually turns it on in his game six uh, in those closeout games so the Warriors looking to uh, take home 
the NBA Finals tonight. The Celtics looking to extend the series, and and I just I I, I, I struggle to find a lean here. I don't even know which way to go. I got one for you. Uh, I heard I saw on Twitter that the Warriors have already rented out a party space at a nearby casino for celebration afterwards. Huh. If they win, was well, that maybe they're maybe they're um, they're counting their chickens before they're hatched. Exactly. Do they look too far ahead? I mean, that could be one of. Oh, they're confident they're going to get it done mm-hmm. in Boston. They've they've figured out how to beat the Celtics. But the other way you look at it is, well, uh, they're counting their chickens before they're hatched, and, and they're going to be uh, out of this one before it even starts because they're already planning to, to celebrate. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Game Six coming up after the break here. Tail Varsity Radio. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a fast-moving hour one here on Hale Varsity Radio. If uh, you're the 9 to 5 type, look at that. The last hour of your workday just flying on by. No thanks to myself and Will Wilson as uh, we can't wait for the weekend. A fun weekend of College World Series action coming up. I'm going to try to make it up to Omaha here on Saturday. Probably won't make it into a game with... uh, I'm going to hit on this here for a second. The fact that they've gone away from general admission in the outfield has meant that ticket prices are soaring this college world series so uh, still trying to figure out how I'm going to find a way to dirty my into a col- dirty my way into a college world series game this year but I'll at least go uh, go up to Omaha and check out the scene on Saturday night and uh, and, and see how the 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 uh, the, the what, what's the what's the you, word I'm looking for are you having a stroke or something what are you trying to f- sound here what the opening ceremony? What do you know? The uh, the the opening pitch festivities. That was the word I was looking. Oh, for. fan fest. The fan fest. Yeah, the festivities. All that. Uh, go check out uh, all the great uh, businesses down in uh, downtown Omaha. So uh, looking forward to the College World Series. Before we get out of here this hour, a quick note on the Celtics and Warriors game six tonight. Scott Foster. Uh, widely known as a series extender, not going to be working game six tonight, and uh, neither is Tony Brothers, a guy who uh, some Celtics fans would say uh, has a bias against the Celtics based on how he calls games featuring Boston. Neither of those guys are going to be working the game tonight. Uh, we'll ask Danny Burke coming up in here in hour two if uh, that affects how he is going to play this Warriors and Celtics game tonight. So that is something to watch. Before we get out of here, a quick reminder uh, th- about seatbelts. Uh, remember that nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckle up. It's a message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. If you're driving down the highway right now and you don't have your seatbelt on, just do me a favor personally and uh, and flip that seatbelt on. want to keep you safe as you listen to Hail Varsity Radio. Also, one more thing to let you know about, that's that we got a giveaway Coming up next week here on ESPN Lincoln. This is for Beatdown at the Box, uh, referring to the Ice Box uh, down on the state fairgrounds. It's coming up Saturday, July 30th. It's the first ever uh, professional kickboxing event in Nebraska. Also a pro boxing uh, fight as well. That's going to be on the card that night. Again, that's Saturday, July 30th. And all next week, uh, we are going to be giving away uh, four packs of tickets to the beatdown at the box. So uh, 20 total tickets we'll be giving away for each day. Your chance to win will be next week as uh, a great experience down at the ice box. I personally love professional fighting, specifically USC, UFC, but I also love 
boxing and all that. So uh, I don't think I'm qualified to win this considering I, I do work here. So maybe I'll have to, uh, to actually buy myself a pair of tickets. But uh, that sounds like a great event and we'll have your chance uh, to get some tickets next week. Well, before we get out of here this hour... Actually, we, we I was going to ask you what your College World Series bandwagon team... Actually, you know, go for it. Do you I have, actually, it's funny because we were talking a lot about Ole Miss. Last week, I was struggling to find a team. Uh, none of them appealed to me. A lot of them, as a Nebraska fan, I can't root for. Um, so I actually picked Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a good one. They're yeah. my adopted, quote-unquote, SEC team, just with... Uh, I like Kiffin. I think Kiffin's a character, and he makes their football team fun. A lot of good memories just of Ole Miss teams in the past from... Chad, a.k.a. Swag Kelly, uh, Marshall Henderson, the basketball player. Money. I got a chance to go see a couple Ole Miss baseball games, so Ole Miss is my pick as well. We'll get caught up, or I guess we'll talk with College World Series umpire Jeff Hendricks coming up after the break. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Rolling into hour two, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson as uh, we get you ready uh, for uh, a full weekend of College World Series action. Really a full week of College World Series action. We're excited here to chat with, uh, I mean... Jeff, if I get any of these accolades wrong, you just let me know because I, I sent it over to our, our trusty ESPN Lincoln Sports and Information Department, and uh, that's also known as Google. So uh, I, I did that, and if, if I get any of these accolades and, and accomplishments wrong, you let me know, but I, I think I got it down right. You are a Nebraska Baseball Hall of Famer, as well as 30-plus years of experience umpiring both across professional baseball and college baseball, even making a stint in the major leagues eight College World Series uh, appearances for you as an umpire, and then also, to my knowledge, the only modern-era umpire to work three consecutive College World Series. Is that correct? Well, that Google's pretty close. Yeah, that's, that's about right, Elijah. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's, this was my 38th year of umpiring, and, you know, you still go out there and, and enjoy it, and it would be nice to be back in Omaha, but three years in a row was 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 a lot of fun, but I'm I'm really happy for the eight guys that'll be umpiring there, and and of course the eight teams. It's going to be a heck of a College World Series because when we started the season, we knew you know there wasn't really a standout team, and I think a couple of the teams like Texas and Tennessee started out on fire, and then and same thing with Mississippi. I think Mississippi was the number one team to start the year, and then they kind of faltered and came on at the end. So I think Omaha is going to be crazy, and it's going to be a lot of good fun baseball. 
Jeff should be noted also your man to buy a house as uh, you can uh, get connected with him, Keller Williams of Lincoln. Uh, and uh, ask for Jeff. Jeff's your man there. And uh, Jeff, just to dive into the College World Series a little bit here, you worked the last three college world series if i have my stats here and you have this year off so with the weather coming into to nebraska this weekend i'm seeing 100 plus degrees saturday 100 plus degrees sunday and just real scorchers all next week are you glad you got this year off just because i mean it was gonna be a, uh, I mean hotter than hell out there if, if i'll i can say that well i can say that right now i can say that it's hotter than hell out there next week yeah well you know what you work hard to try to get back there don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but yeah it's let me tell you, and at that ballpark with it enclosed there at home plate, you don't get a lot of wind working behind the plate. So it does get very warm. You know, when you get older, you throw, you know, you sit in the car and it's about 130 degrees. Throw on a chest protector, as you know, Elijah. Throw on your mask and your shin guards and then go out there for nine innings and, and try to do it. it. It's tough, and I just hope that the guys stay hydrated. The medical staff up there in Omaha does a great job for the umpires. So. Hopefully nobody gets uh, gets hit by the heat and uh, they can get through it. And we, we focus so much on these teams making it to the, the, the pinnacle of college baseball, making it to Omaha and, and the pressure that kind of uh, revolves around that. But I want to pose the question to you, being a guy who's been there eight times, do umpires feel that same pressure to, to perform whenever they step on the field? And uh, obviously it's a, a physical grind, but what kind of mental toll does it take on an umpire knowing the world is watching it and I really can't mess up here? Well, it's changed a lot over the years. Uh, in a, I don't know, I think it was 2018 when I went to the World Series, one of the guys in the Big 12 tournament said, hey, you know you have a $50,000 plate job today? And I said, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, Baylor was playing TCU, and Jim Schlossnagel, I think, had like a $50,000 bonus to make it to uh, postseason. <laughs> and they needed to win the Big 12 tournament. And if they didn't win, um, then he didn't get that bonus. So uh, the money with the coaches has really changed, and I can see, I think you can see, you know, you're an umpire, you know, you're trying to work your way up and you see what's going on on TV. Um, I think that has had a big uh, influence on it, but there's always pressure. There's a line, you know, I think that if, if um, you work with me, I always say, hey, it's okay to have butterflies, just make sure they fly in formation when you go out there. And then you just, you know, you work on just a couple things. Make sure you slow your timing down, see the pitch, you know, see the play, make sure the whole play happens. And, you know, just being there a lot kind of helps, you know, calm the nerves and stuff like that. But, you know, if you're not excited to go out and work a a college world series and work on ESPN in front of 26,000, then there's probably something a little bit wrong with you. Talking with College World Series umpire Jeff Henricks here on Hale Varsity Radio. Jeff, a Lincoln native, and Lincoln is proud of Jeff, and we're happy to talk with him here on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. And Jeff, you mentioned kind of the, the changing nature of college baseball with the money that's being involved now for these coaches. And I've also seen in recent years there's been a, a more of an emphasis on, on letting emotions show through in the game of baseball. And we saw that in a couple regionals here in the past couple weeks uh, where you had players hitting home runs and umpires heading up the line making sure that these guys weren't going to show their emotions in a way that was going to lead to problems within the game. And I, I just want to ask you about how that has changed within the past couple of years in college baseball with people showing more emotion, more bat flips, uh, pitchers yelling at batters when they're on the mound. Uh, have you seen the change while you've been out there on the field and, and just kind of what are the effects of, of that and how it uh, affects your job, I guess? Yeah, boy, have we, um, you know, I'm old school. 
I'm always worried when something like that happens that the next pitch is going to dot somebody. Um, and, you know, the baseball gods have a funny way of, of working when those kind of things happen. Um, I think you remember a couple of years ago when Louisville was beating Nashville and the kid from Louisville was, was a, uh, you know, sticking it to him pretty good for eight innings and kind of had some choice words towards the dugout. And we had to stop a fight in between the, you know, the, the, I believe it was the bottom of the eighth going to the top of the ninth. I think it was 2019. And, you know, he comes out for the ninth inning and base hit, air, little chink hit, and all of a sudden a ball in the gap and, you know, uh, Vanderbilt walks him off. So, you know, to answer your question, I'm okay for emotion until, you know, you want to yell and scream when you strike somebody out. I think it's okay as long as you're not looking at the dugout, you're not staring down the batter. But then again, if you're going to do that, if somebody hits a home run off you, then you better be able to take it. You know, if you're going to dish it out, you better be able to take it. So, you know, there's what people don't realize on the field is somebody hits a home run and they're all out there by the dirt. What's said from the other 25 guys that are in that kind of group? And, you know, you know, you know, even being on the field working the games you work, there are some things that are being said that, you know, kind of it's, it's throwing gas on a fire. So I'm okay with emotion. Just, you know, just keep it to yourself. Try not to show the other team up too much. And if you do and the other team, you know, performs, then they, they get their say also. We're talking to Jeff Henricks, longtime umpire here in Nebraska, and I wanted to ask you, there was that video that went viral from the MLB the other night of Mike Trout's bat breaking and then, you know, getting stuck inside of the umpire's mask, and I think that just goes to show how dangerous, you know, it could be. Would you agree, you know, it is dangerous than people think? Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I got I got dotted five times this year on a foul tip right to the mask, and I'm not getting any younger. Um <laughs> It's, you know, you guys just talking about that. It's almost like if you sprained your ankle and then they show the NBA where somebody steps on somebody's foot and you see the ankle sprain and you don't ever want to see that. Um, that's a tough one. You know, wood bats or bats that are, are let go and come back and hit you in the head or stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's scary. It's, it's part of the job. But, you know, the, the good thing about that is I think after you saw that happen, you saw both Mike Trout and the catcher just stop. I, I, Mike Trout didn't even run. He was worried about the umpire. So, you know, there's, there is a good working relationship. You know, there's egos. We're all trying to do the same thing. Believe it or not, everybody, we want to go out there and not be seen and walk off the field in nine innings and be done and know that we did a good job and gave everybody a fair shake. And, you know, that's, those are just kind of some of the ugly sides of baseball, some things that can happen to ours. Now, just back to the College World Series here, I mean, you mentioned the mutual respect between players and umpires and coaches and umpires, and does that translate to the College World Series at a time where, I mean, you know these coaches are under pressure to win, the players want to win, this could be the, the highlight of their baseball careers. Just What does that, that dynamic between player and umpire or, or coach and umpire look like uh, between, uh, say, a regular season game and the College World Series? Is it any different? Yeah, a little bit. You know, the, at the College World Series, you're mic'd. So they kind of got to be careful what they say, which is a good thing, you know. <laughs> um, believe it or not, the Super Regionals are the hardest to work. You have, you know, you have the home team fans there. The home team's playing every game in a Super Regional. You call a pitch on the outside corner that's right on the outside corner, the home fans are going nuts because they think it's outside. Super Regionals are the hardest to work. You kind of got to, uh, you know, make your – your hay there at, at Super Regionals to get invited back to the College World Series. The College World Series, you know, behind the plate, is pretty much just 
Omaha or people that have bought tickets to go to the College World Series. And, the, you know, the home team fans are behind the dugouts. So, you know, you, it's, I'm not going to say it's easier to work the College World Series, but I will say this, Super Regionals are definitely the toughest to work in postseason. We're talking to Jeff Henricks, longtime umpire here in Nebraska. And one thing I wanted to touch on with you is it's kind of a local problem. You know, there's no question that there is an umpire shortage, uh, you know, especially here in Nebraska. And, you know, I don't know what is contributing to that. It could be stories of, like Elijah and I talked about earlier, a 72-year-old umpire in some other state getting clocked in the face. It's just, uh, you know, you hear stories about that. But, you know, why do you think there's a shortage? And what do you have to say to somebody who's maybe thinking about starting to umpire? That's a great question. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. I got a call. Last, my my daughter-in-law works in the university in the athletic department, and her boss has a son that was 11 years old and was playing, and they didn't have spots for 60 games over the weekend. And it, it's definitely what's being what's, – you know, I've got grandkids, and I want to be able to see them grow up. I had a son that played travel baseball, and the way – this is, this is going to be hard to say, but the way people treat umpires um, – you know, hey, there's some good ones and there's some bad ones out there. There's some ones that are, you know, trying to, to collect money. There's also guys that are out there for the love of the game and the love for your children. And, you know, I always told my son, you know, if, if you got called out on a strike three that something was a little outside or something's a little low, there's not a coach in the stands at 11 years old that is going to sign you to a D1 scholarship. Hmm. You still got to go play college or, excuse me, high school baseball. I do think the way people treat other people, especially in athletics and, and, and officials in general, there's a huge crisis all over, basketball, baseball. You know, I saw uh, you know, one of the greatest um, uh, officials in Nebraska, John Higgins, was filling in with his son in a 15U AAU game, and had to, they had to kick the, the coach and the son out. And believe it or not, the, the son and the coach were father-son out of a game and barred them for the rest of the AAU tournament. So... You know, hey, if we make mistakes or we miss a play or whatever, um, it, it's going to happen. But believe it or not, when you go to replay, it's, it's great when you have these conferences that aren't Power 5 that don't have replay, how quick they go to replay. And, you know, over the course of the year, I think I went to replay um, 28 or 29 times this year in the Big 12. We don't have it in the back 12 that I worked at, and I didn't have anything reversed. So we get a lot more right than we miss. But, and I understand, you know, you want your kids to win and stuff like that. I always told my son, you know, if, you're gonna, if we're going to keep score, play to win. But if, you're, if you really want officials out there to work with your kids and work their games, treat them with some respect. If it's 100 degrees and you see some guy struggling, get him some Powerade. Get him some water. Get him a cool towel. It, you know, it's okay. It's, if you want your kids to be able to play, you better be able to, to treat the officials with respect on the field or it's not going to happen. A cool chance here to sit down and talk with uh, longtime umpire Jeff Hendricks. And Jeff, you've worked games all over the country even this year. And, and I think you told me a couple days ago you had the opportunity to work a couple of the teams that are in this year's College World Series field. Can you tell me a, a little bit about those teams and uh, maybe tell me uh, if you have a pick for who might win it all this season? I kind of got to be careful there. I'll say this uh, on the pick. I, I'll say that I think the hottest team in the country right now is Oklahoma. They're playing really well. I had the, the Texas-Oklahoma series down in Globe Life Field in Arlington at the, at the Rangers ballpark, and Oklahoma should have won it other than they had a seven-run lead on Sunday and had a kind of a drop fly ball in the outfield. Texas is hot. You know, tech, Texas is really good. And Stanford, 
Brock Jones, their, their their first baseman is a heck of a excuse me center fielder leads off is a heck of a player. They're loaded. What I can tell you is going into Omaha, you know, it's the teams that are can play defense and pitch. It's a big ballpark. It's going to be warm, so the ball may jump a little bit more. But um, you know, those three teams, watch out for Arkansas. Old Miss was you know one of the top teams in the country. Didn't play too well until the end, um, and then all of a sudden caught fire. I thought, you know, I had Oregon State and Stanford, two of the top teams that I saw all year. Auburn beat them this last weekend, so they've got to be legit. It is going to be wide open. I mean, you look at the top bracket, you got Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, and is it Notre Dame, the fourth team? Is that right? I believe so. I mean, can you imagine a winner's bracket game between, you know, Oklahoma and Texas again, or Texas and Texas A&M, or a loser's bracket game? You know, it's. It's going to be some really good baseball. It's going to be fun to watch. Last thought here, Jeff. And uh, Jeff, uh, make sure you, uh, you find him over if uh, you need a house in the Lincoln area. Uh, Keller Williams, Lincoln is where you, you check his work out. And uh, we're uh, appreciative of your time here today, Jeff. And with the last 60 seconds or so here, I want you to think back uh, to all the games you've worked at the College World Series. Do you have a memory that stands out, whether it be a, a favor or, or just something that you'll always remember from your time working the College World Series? Well, I was behind the plate with Arkansas and Oregon State when when Arkansas dropped the ball. You know, oh. you're, you're, you see that you see that pop fly, and you kind of start walking towards the dugout or you know towards the tunnel to get off the field, and they dropped it. And then the next pitch, um, the shortstop for Oregon State base hit, and then Kevin Warnich, I believe his name, and comes up the next pitch, and then hits a two-run bomb, and they go ahead. Um, it was really nice. I was behind the plate for. Uh, the last game Florida State ever won with Mike Martin. Um, I got to, I was behind the plate on the called strike three when Virginia beat um, Vanderbilt in 2015. And then I was behind the plate when uh, Arizona beat South Carolina. And what was really cool is that um, the South Carolina coach, Ray Tanner, as we were walking out after they got beat, uh, he'd already done his ESPN uh, segment and was just with the local reporters and, and as I was walking by I'd had him quite a bit in the, in the postseason he stopped all the reporters made them shut off their, their phones and their recorders and everything like that and come over and shook my hand after he just got beaten he says I, I just want to tell you what I really enjoy when you're behind the plate I know we're, we get a fair shake and, and you did a hell of a job tonight so you know those are some good memories of, of the College World Series there's nothing like you know when, when you're new there's four new guys this year and I always tell them that first, when you run out on the bases and your feet aren't going to hit the ground, just stand out in the outfield and just do a 360 and, you know, know you've made it to the pinnacle of baseball. They can never take the word World Series away from you. That's pretty cool. Uh, longtime umpire Jeff Hendricks, 30-plus years of experience, eight College World Series, and your man for homes here in the Lincoln area, Keller Williams, uh, is where you, uh, you check out his work uh, with Realty in Town. Jeff, appreciate the time today, and you enjoy this College World Series, all right? Hey, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. 
promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Thursday here on Hale Varsity Radio. Just had a, a fun chat with longtime umpire Jeff Henricks. As uh, we got a lot of insight from him, that was uh, a lot of fun and uh, gets me just excited for the College World Series. First game coming up on Saturday afternoon. We'll have uh, coverage of Monday's slate of games here on ESPN Lincoln. That's for our local listeners. I know that our affiliates out in Kearney, Hastings, and Grand Island also going to be having uh, College World Series games on Monday. So uh, no show for us on Monday as that's the day Schmidt is going to be returning from Denver. We'll have College World Series action. That's going to be great uh, before we get uh, our week started next Tuesday. So we're going to see. Maybe we'll have to have an amended uh, Mondays with Charlie. We'll call it Mondays with Charlie on a Tuesday, hmm. uh, maybe next week. So that was a lot of fun sitting down with Jeff. As you just heard in the intro, uh, open phone lines for you here the next 10 minutes or so. As uh, you can give us a call, 402 466 3776, 402 466 ESPN or 800 825 5865. And, Will, we didn't get into this in the interview, but you and Jeff, both proud alumni of Lincoln East High School. That's right. Yeah. Go Spartans. And uh, his sister, uh, I was my athletic director during my time there. Yeah. And uh, I believe the Lincoln East baseball field named after the Hendricks family now. So uh, really cool. uh, just a, a staple of the, uh, the Nebraska athletic scene. As uh, we told you, Jeff inducted into the Nebraska Baseball Hall of Fame just a couple years ago. We really thank him for his time. And seriously, uh, if you're looking for a home in Lincoln, reach out to Jeff Keller Williams of Lincoln. Where I want to go here now with this next segment is uh, something that uh, you did a great job getting this morning, Will. And you sat down with both Henry T. Buchanan and Tony Farmer, both former members of the Husker basketball team, um, both guys that were under those legendary Danny Knee teams. And uh, this is something... Uh, we'll get into with Dolman at some point tomorrow, uh, kind of the, the Danny Knee years and whether or not they've been forgotten. But but set this up for the people at home. Uh, Tony making some, some interesting comments essentially about how the, the Husker basketball program is run now. Yeah, uh, well, every Thursday we have Henry T. Buchanan on our show, The Morning Hookup, um, and he always, he's been bringing on these great guests. Uh, he's brought on some amazing people, and he brought on to- Tony Farmer uh, this morning. And, you know, of course, Tony, he was his legacy in Nebraska everybody knows about, and he went on to play just a ton of basketball, still is playing basketball uh, professionally. So, uh, yeah, we had him on. And Henry, you know, he's always talked about how he, he would love to go in, and he has before, go in and talk to the team and just kind of talk to the guys. And he's done that before. Um, and Tony kind of he kind of fed off that, and he talked about, you know, how important he thinks it is for the team to talk to former legends of the team. And here's what he had to say. Well, if you, if you were a piece of... Well, if you if you are a piece of history and you're a piece of the of the Nebraska Cornhusker alumnus basketball program, if you were me or T. Buchanan or Rich King or these guys, what would you do? What would you say? And if you look at it, Pykowski is in Omaha, Keith Moody is in Omaha, Bruce Chubbick is around, Bo Reed is in Lincoln, Eric Strickland, Terrence Badgett are in Omaha. Why, why, as he comes all the time, why are those guys' phones not ringing? You know, I'm not saying it has to be my phone ringing, but why aren't their phones ringing where they're in striking distance? I don't care if gas is $200 a gallon. You know, respect the game, respect the level, because all those guys are credible guys 
who brought something to the program. And if you look at if you look at history, if you look at Coach Nee's history, how come T. Buchanan and Tony Farmer, all these guys, didn't have drinking and driving issues, getting arrested, domestic violence. And I say that because we, you know, are, were clear examples of a college athlete. And the thing is, is, you know, people look at my story and the situation that happened with rape and things like that. And, and I tell people, unless you know the internal, you can pass judgment because I didn't receive jack crap from him from a point from the illegality. You know, he was a booster from Georgia, took an interest in me as a young man out of California, and that's what that was. But at the end of the day, when I look at the program and what I've done on the court and what I've done in that classroom, I worked my butt off. And I can honestly say there's very few players that come to that program that have done what he, myself, our team collectively have done. How come when the Coach Neat era stopped, the Nebraska basketball era stock. And that's interesting thoughts there from Tony. And it's an era I don't remember. I wasn't alive for the Danny Knee right. uh, era. But I, I've heard stories from both Schmidt and Dolman and a lot of longtime people, Markowski, uh, about the Knee years. And a lot of people look back uh, upon those years fondly. Uh, and I think it's it's almost similar to what the Husker football team had. I mean, you look back at all these legends of the nineties and now they're coming back and, and giving their assistance to the Husker football program in whatever way they can, whether it be uh, mentoring guys off the field or assisting in the weight room, volunteer assistant coaches, what have you. I mean, we, we've seen it with uh, Jason Peter, uh, just to name one uh, of these guys coming back and helping out with the program. And it does make you wonder uh, why hasn't Fred Hoiberg used some of that, that same, uh, uh, strategy, inviting back some of these former Huskers. I mean, really the only former Husker I can think ever being honored during uh, the Fred Hoiberg era is whenever they brought back Tyron Loon and retired the jersey. Yeah, and I don't, that wasn't even during... That was, was that Miles era? Yeah, I think that was uh, during Miles. We played Michigan State and lost that night. Um, yeah, you know, when I hear that, I just I, I feel that emotion. I mean, I feel like everybody can. You feel that emotion in his voice when he's talking about that. He He really wants the program to do good, and I can only sense that he's just kind of frustrated how, you know, not some of these guys aren't getting calls. And maybe they are, and, you know, we're not aware. I know I know Henry has gone to practice before and talked with some guys. But, uh, you know, it sounds like he, t- um, Tony wants more of that. And, you know, you think about the guys on the roster right now, they don't know. Do they? Do you really think they know that the who the best successful teams have been in Nebraska history? No oh, way, because no. it's been so long. And I, th- I think I, Tony's thinking, you know, if we talk to them, they would kind of get a good idea, and you know, I think that would help. So I don't know. I, that was a great piece of audio, and I appreciate Tony and, and Henry for coming on. That whole interview is up at ESPNLinkin.com if you want to listen to it. Yeah, and uh, make sure if uh, you're a listener from across the state, you can. Uh, Okay, stay up to date with the morning hookup weekdays 9 to 11 here on ESPN Lincoln. You can uh, check out ESPNLincoln.com to stay updated. Or if you're a local listener, make sure to, to check out the morning hookup as uh, Will Wilson and the Chicken King Bill Hooks uh, going at it uh, every single morning. Again, 9 to 11 here on ESPN Lincoln. And that was good stuff this morning from Tony. And, and uh, I, I mean, with how much we have discussed this being a make-or-break year for Scott Frost. I think it's been well understood that this is also going to be a make-or-break year for Fred Hoiberg. And uh, with just so much roster turnover, on one hand, there is, I mean, it's it's the same story as a football team almost, where on one hand, there's hope, but that that same amount of turnover also leads you to worry because 
you look at this and you go, is there going to be team chemistry, cohesion between these guys? I mean, that's been the story of Husker basketball over the past couple of years is you got a couple talented guys on the team, but uh, either there's guys in the lineup that don't quite fit the system of basketball they're looking to play uh, or guys aren't fully bought in. There, there isn't chemistry between guys within the team. There's just been issues with that sort of problem where I, I don't necessarily think the issue with Husker basketball has been talent over the past couple of years. Have they been out-talented at times? Yes, but I don't think... I mean, it's a similar story to football. I don't think the talent on the floor has been as bad as the record would necessarily indicate. It hasn't been great. No. I, it's I, still probably sub-500, but when you look at how many total Big Ten wins they have last year, three? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. Uh, but you talk about how guys are jelling and how that has to happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, let's not forget, too, Hoiberg came back, right? I there's a part of me that thinks Hoiberg would not have wanted to come back and he wouldn't be here if he didn't want to be here. Um, but he does, he stuck around, he hired a new coach. He, um, and he got some new personnel in here. I, to me, you know, he came from back from the NBA, maybe, you know, in the college game is different from the NBA. We all know that. I think he's, he's learning. And I, I, I'm confident that here in year four, is it year four? I think we're in year four. Um, that he's learned a lot, and you know, I think he's still committed to getting this thing done, which I like. Now, see, you're you're a guy, Will, that's um, always even been a, a bigger Nebraska basketball follower and, and supporter, I guess, uh, if you want to put it that way, than myself. Uh, you were always a guy I'd see on TV at the Husker basketball games. Uh, guy that always had their season tickets. You're always there, and and I, I want to ask you, just in terms of talent, how far behind? say, the Miles era, do you think that this Hoiberg era has been to date? Do you think it's been a talent issue, or do you think it has been an issue with cohesion in the system just not working within the Big Ten? I, I think it's I think it's all of that. Um, obviously, the talent we have, like, we all know talent's good. You see the numbers next to him. You see what the stats he put up at the, at the school before. Like, these kids can play. It's time uh, to get guys on campus and having them stay here for two or three years. I mean, that's what helps, and we just haven't seen that. It's It's a lot of turnover. But I'm, I, you know, it's early on uh, schedule coming out today. That's cool, decent draw, you think? But uh, yeah, no, I think I think Hoiberg's uh, settling down, and I'm excited for this next year. Well, it's uh, Will Wilson joining me, Elijah Herbal here on Hale Varsity Radio as uh, a fun show we've had for you today. Brandon Vogel joining us back in hour one. We heard from longtime umpire Jeff Henricks uh, at the beginning of this hour as well. If you missed either of those interviews, uh, you can check them out, ESPNLincoln.com. And you can also check out the full podcast version of this show. It'll be up on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you like to get podcasts, really. YouTube as well. You can check out uh, Hail Varsity Radio on the Hail Varsity YouTube page and uh, make sure to, to drop a comment, leave a review, to give us your thoughts, good, bad, or ugly. Schmitty likes to say that, and I'll echo what he says. We can't get better for you. We do this show for you, and we can't get better unless you give us your feedback. So uh, that would be a great way uh, for us to, to make this show as uh, as ideal as we can for our listeners. So uh, make sure to uh, to give us your thoughts. We got Danny Burke coming your way here after the break as Danny is going to give his thoughts on the uh, Stanley Cup Game 1, what it means for the rest of the series. We'll have Game 6 thoughts between the Celtics and the Warriors as well as the Celtics are four-point favorites tonight. 
and uh, we'll figure out who Danny's going to be bandwagging for the College World Series. That's all coming up after the break. It's Burke's Best Bets, as he's going to get you all set for a big weekend of betting. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through this Thursday, and it's time to get some betting locks for the weekend. It's Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Danny, how's everything hanging out in Chicago? Your, your Cubs uh, not looking great this season, and uh, we also have some uh, discontent within the uh, the White Sox dugout. Seen that within uh, the past week or so here. And I know you're not a big White Sox guy, but no not a great year for baseball in Chicago. No, it's uh, it, it's been the struggle bus for sure out here in the Windy City. The Cubs, you kind of expected it, to be honest. So we we Cubs fans have already sort of embraced that failure uh, that was going to be inevitably happening this season. And it's good in the side of, hey, you can fade this team and make some money off of it in the meantime. As for the Sox, yeah, they've just been an utter disappointment. Uh, solid series that was a much-needed sweep at Detroit, but look, it's going to get tougher because I think they got uh, they got the Blue Jays not this series. I think they're in Houston this upcoming series and Toronto at home the next. I still think the White Sox will find a way to win the division. Will they win the World Series? Hell no. They just do not have what it takes. But I still think if you wait a little bit because their schedule is going to be one of the easiest in the latter half of this season – then you can jump back in on the White Sox and they'll find a way to compete for the top. So uh, we'll get there at some point. It ain't going to be pretty. Danny, I'll just let you know, in my MLB, the show game, I did a March to October with the White Sox. And uh, at the All-Star break, they were sub-500. They made a huge run at the end of the season. So, I mean, any, <laughs> anything can happen. Hey, that's all you need to know. If it happened there, it's probably going to happen in real life. Danny, I did see that you are now back above 500 with your MLB picks for the season. So, not necessarily a super strong start for you, but are you getting into the, the feel for this season now? Yeah, man, it, it was a real just struggle for me to begin this year. And I don't know why. It's just kind of how betting goes sometimes. Baseball is typically one of my top two sports when it comes to handicapping. And since it's such a long season, it, it's honestly nice because you know, it'll eventually kind of get back to where we need it to be. Uh, need it to be. I don't have any – you know, doubt that we're going to get to where we want and have a successful winning percentage. But, yeah, you know, I just went on this horde streak. I think it was like a seven- or ten-game losing streak, whatever it was. But we clawed our way back, and we've kind of gotten to that point of the season to where I definitely feel a lot more comfortable because, well, you're getting that larger sample size. You're getting a better understanding of how these pitchers are going to fare with their home and road splits against lefties, against righties. And, same goes for the offense. So you're really getting a great read on these guys as of this point. There's definitely going to be another time in the season where we go on a, you know, a lull though, because there's always, because it's so long, you just get 
you know, a lot of times some of these favorites, hey, maybe they'll go on a bad losing streak. Look at the Brewers, for example. Uh, you look at a bad team that can just keep winning these underdog games, and you're like, are they good? I don't get it. So it's definitely a tough path to handicap baseball throughout a long season. But in the end, we've always come out on top, so I'm expecting the same this year. Danny, before we get to some NBA, let's talk some NHLs. The Avs took game one of the Stanley Cup Finals last night. An exciting game. It took overtime uh, to determine a winner. The Avs get it done at home, uh, and that sets up a pretty fun matchup for Saturday. What did last night tell you in in terms of what you're looking at uh, betting this series? Look, I know you're an Avalanche fan, Elijah, but I'm not going to lie. I mean, going well, let me start with how I was going into it. I thought as did many people, it seems, everyone I've talked to or listened to, not that they think Tampa Bay is certain to win, per se. I think more people think the Avalanche have a slight advantage to find a way. But based on where these odds were, there was no value with Colorado, right? It it lied with the Tampa Bay team that has been overlooked in two out of the three series thus far. They're back-to-back Stanley Cup champs looking to make it a trifecta. And I was in agreement. I would have only taken the plus money with them in the series and with them in game one. With that being said, I did neither because I was going to wait for a better opportunity. What I ended up doing was betting the series over five and a half games at minus 150. Look, these are two of the best teams in hockey, and you and I were kind of talking off air, but this seems like it's going to be one of the better Stanley Cup finals, which we haven't really seen in a couple of seasons. So I think these truly are the best teams. You give the goaltending advantage to Vasilevsky, in my opinion. He's had some rough game ones, and I think last night was a little fluky. He didn't get any help from his defense. The turnovers were abysmal by Tampa Bay. He had that one that kind of just barely skated by him. And overall, too, aside from that, I mean, look, what I guess I'm trying to say is that the fact that Tampa Bay was able to claw back down a couple goals in that game with those opportunities to still win it at the end, I think that they're going to make this a hell of a series. Is Colorado better offensively? Sure. Are they faster? Yeah. Is it going to take a lot for Tampa Bay to keep up? You betcha. But look, they have that championship pedigree, the better goalie in my opinion, and you're probably giving the head coaching advantage with a slight nod, but you just can't be careless. you got to be disciplined. That two-man advantage, seldom does that happen, and that was another goal. So there was just so many things that went against Tampa Bay, yet they still found themselves on the road in that tough environment in overtime with a chance to win it. So I'm not too concerned if you like Tampa. I'm going to wait to see what happens game two. And even if they lose that one, I'd maybe entertain live betting them on the series price. But I did make my bet for over five and a half games, and you can still get it at about the same price, only a little bit better. So I think this one's going six or seven, and I wouldn't be shocked with whichever team wins, but the value is definitely with Tampa Bay. Danny, let's move to NBA as it's game six of the finals tonight. Eight o'clock tip-off between the Warriors and the Celtics. I'm seeing the Celtics here as a four-point home favorite. But one thing to look at here is that Scott Foster, I mean, he's the the series extender. He's not going to be officiating tonight. Neither is Tony Brothers, who uh, seems to have some sort of bias against the Celtics this series. Uh, So does that make you think that maybe it's it's Golden State's time to close this one out in game six on the road? I hope it is. I'm invested in Golden State for the series. I'm invested with Steph Curry for finals MVP. But if I'm looking at it from an objective standpoint, Elijah, I, if, if I weren't invested in this going into this mark in the series, I would probably back Boston in this game. So um, the way I'm doing it instead of doing that because I want to root for Golden State, and I kind of talked about this after game one, and it's actually happened every single game, and my thought process was in terms of the total – 
if you think Boston's going to win whatever given game, your chances of the total going over, I think, increase because Boston's going to have to outscore Golden State to do that, and Golden State should have the better offense. So if Boston's winning, you got to figure there's more points. Conversely, if Golden State's winning, well, I mean, yeah, they're going to hit their shots, but at the same time, Boston's defense is going to show up every game, right? That's not something that kind of takes the night off. Their defense is going to be there, and if Golden State is getting the job done, then, you know, they're doing enough. They're not necessarily dominating, and if they are, which they kind of have been, I mean, it's because Boston can't hit their shots, so the total's been staying under. So long story short, I think Boston wins this game, which means I would correlate this with the total going over, and instead of betting on Boston to win the game, because I do want Golden State to win, I bet over 210. So I'm hoping Golden State wins and the total goes over 210, but I think we're going to see a decent amount of points in this game, and I think this is the lowest mark the total's been at pre-flop. So, yeah, I put some stock in this total going over for game six, and we're absolutely rooting for the Dubs tonight. Danny, quickly here, should I bet on, on game six, Clay making his return tonight? I, I believe his total points is set at 20 and a half. Man, I, I had my buddy yesterday, he was telling me, he's like, man, I'm going all in on Clay, and I think he had like 19 and a half, so it must have gotten steamed up. I don't hate it, but I, personally, I would probably only bet it if you got it in the 18 and a half to 19 and a half range, which of course is why I'm not betting it. But I'm definitely not telling anyone to go against it because history shows us Clay becomes an absolute dog when it's game six. There is Danny Burke with us, Burke's Best Bets on a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Danny, we'll let you get out of here. You have a lovely rest of your Thursday, right, bud? Hey, appreciate it, man. Take care. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Dropping up a Thursday here on Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Elijah Herbal, and Will Wilson. Remember, you can get connected with us on Twitter. That's the best way to reach out if you have any comments about the show today. What uh, you think I should have in store for you tomorrow? Uh, give me a tweet at Herbal Essences for myself or at Willie on the radio. That is for the man sitting right in front of me, Will Wilson. And uh, Will Wilson and I... Really just taking over ESPN Lincoln today as it was uh, him and I this morning on the morning hookup today. It is uh, he and I on Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, you'll hear Will Wilson again on the morning hookup tomorrow morning. Again, that's 9 to 11 ESPN Lincoln. And then you'll hear me, my beautiful voice, uh, 4 to 6 tomorrow, Hale Varsity Radio before Schmitty makes his return from Denver. Uh, I guess he'll be doing the show from Denver, makes his return to the show on Saturday morning. Elijah Herbal and uh, Chris Schmidt. 
I think also joined by Mark Cranach on Saturday, as that runs from 7 to 9 here locally. Our listeners across the state can check that out uh, via the podcast form. I already told you about all those. Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Play, uh, Hail Varsity's YouTube page. A lot of great options for you to catch the full podcast. And then uh, no show Monday before Schmitty makes his return to Lincoln next Tuesday. Well, before we get out of here tonight, I'm going to let you know it is Thirsty Thursday at Haymarket Park. The Salt Dogs are playing in town, so you already know where I'm going to be tonight. I'm going to be down at Haymarket Park checking out the Dogs as they're going for a series victory over the Lake Country Dock Hounds. It's only the third appearance between the Salt Dogs and the Dock Hounds, the previous two being the last two nights. So looking forward to the Salt Dogs uh, taking the all-time series over the Dock Hounds 2-1 to one tonight, uh, if uh, all goes to plan. What, what about you? Do you have anything uh, in the cards for your Thursday evening? Oh, let me uh, let me turn your mic on. Thanks. I'm gonna. I will be going over to. Um, uh, I'm gonna be watching the game with my dad tonight. Gonna have some dinner with him. Mom's out of town, so I'm gonna go keep him company. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna be doing that. I'm excited. Sounds like good stuff. And then uh, you're back in tomorrow morning. Am I in with you tomorrow morning? Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be great if you got nothing going on. Well, I'm gonna be over on KFOR anyway from six to nine. So I'll, right, I'll already be here. Good. Well, uh, awesome. <laughs> Things are working out great then. <laughs> Everything is looking up for the uh, the Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson experience, um, as it always is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are smooth guys. Everything runs smooth around here, just so you all know. Uh, before we get out of here, you want to do a quick, uh, no stakes on it, but just a quick wager between this uh, this Golden State and Boston game tonight? Yeah, I'll take Boston to win straight up. Boston to win, not cover or no? Mm, no. What's the spread? Four? Four. Um. Yeah, why not? I'll take him to cover. So Will Wilson takes. I'll, I'll go the other way. I'll, I'll, I'll take Golden State to cover at least plus four. I'll say you know, like the, at least they're going to cover plus four, if not win outright. If if I was a betting man, I might take uh, Golden State money line here to uh, to to close the series out. Something tells me that uh, it's it's time for uh, for either Clay Thompson or, or Steph Curry to put the team on their back and and will them to a performance, but. Uh, we'll have to get uh, updated on this tomorrow morning as uh, we'll figure out who wins this little uh, light stakes wager as Will is pulling out his tip money from the bar. Uh, I think you want you want to put money on it? I was, I was <laughs> just going to, you know, I was, we're betting, so, you know. It's a friendly wager. It's for it's for pride only. So uh, we'll figure that out. Tip off in game six is tonight at eight o'clock. Uh, coming up here on ESPN Lincoln, we'll have a first pitch between the Salt Dogs and the Dock Hounds coming up in about an hour. For everyone listening across the state, we appreciate you. Hail Vars will be back tomorrow from four to six. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.